Welcome to News Talks SSE Electricity Lee podcast. I'm Oshin Langan and he is Daniel Kelly. Welcome back, Oshin. Thank you very much. Well, I was kind of back last week. Uh, I, I like to though. think the podcast peaked last week with my return. Uh, yeah, we can look at the ratings for that and. That's well, now, Dan, that's, Let, that's just such a simplistic way of looking at things. It's I all mean, about the numbers. If the Late, Late Show and Mrs. Brown's Boys are two examples of ratings winners that aren't necessarily always editorially brilliant. If Donald Trump has taught us anything, and I think in the last few months he has taught us a lot, yeah. that ratings mean everything. No, they don't. Let's wait to see what the bosses say. Did you know the Blues Brothers was not commercially successful when it first came out? I did not know that. There you go. Ratings don't You could say the same for the Shawshank Redemption. That's correct, actually. Every person's favourite film ever. Every GAA person. Surely it's moved on. What's that, about a minute and a half in, first GAA reference? Yep, and a second one, Lee Chin liked one of my tweets. I tweeted to him when he was involved with Wexford Youths for the first time, um, don't shoulder your man if you come off the bench, that's that's not cool in soccer. He didn't come off the bench though, he started straight in. Yeah, exactly, but I didn't know he was going to start. Yeah, none of us did. Shane Keegan didn't tell us anything. How'd it work out? Uh, Wexford's game they lost. No, yeah. Not necessarily Lee Chin's fault. No. Of course, they have lost other games where Lee hasn't been involved Correct, this season. So. Okay, well, Richie isn't here today. He has also signed for Wexford Youths. Um, it is a massive, massive week for the um, League of Ireland in Europe, by which I mean Dundalk are playing again. Uh, that is being played tonight as we speak. That's Thursday night at Tala Stadium. They're up against uh, Maccabee Tel Aviv. And if you're listening to the Recut podcast on Friday, we're going to analyse that game right now. What a night it was in Tala. Yeah, congrats and commiserations to Dundalk on a brilliant, awful performance. I did not see that result coming. I didn't either. That uh, particular result. Yeah, like, especially when that bit happened around half time and oh. then the other bit in the second half. I think it was all about what happened at half time really? and what Stephen Kenny um, said. Yeah, there was, yeah. there was words said at half time, Dan. That's all yeah. I can say. By both managers. By both managers. And potentially the players may have spoken to each other too. Exactly. Um, there was a rallying cry. From I don't know in which dressing room yet because yeah. obviously it's Thursday. But Maybe from the crowd. Let's just say there was a rallying ah, cry yeah, from the Dundalk faithful good one, in the good crowd. One, good one. I say this before the fact on Thursday and after the fact on Friday. I really hope the fans are mature enough not to boo Shoto Avaladze, the manager of Maccabee Tel Aviv. He got a bit of treatment before when he was uh, here with in Georgia. Road, yeah, yes. because he played for Rangers. I, just, I hate that. I, I, yeah. Bull. And he mentioned it himself. Now he laughs at it. He thinks it's funny. And uh, I hope he's a better trip this time around, by the way, because last time he was in hospital for a few days. Really? Had to stay on after the Georgia squad. Yeah, he wasn't well. Let's hope Nothing well. to do with the booing, by the way. I know with uh, Israel and the, I suppose for a better word, the tense political climate around it, I know there will be events taking place tonight at the game. So hopefully they won't take away from what is, uh, what everyone is going for. And it's a good 90 minutes of football. A good 90 minutes. Look, no matter what happens in this game, do you think Daryl Horgan should be playing for Ireland? I think he should be called up to a friendly squad. I'm not sure. Yeah, he should be definitely called up to a friendly squad and see what he, what he's like. Because for as good as Dundalk have been in the league this year and how good his performances have been in Europe, we still can't compare that to England. And that's the sad way about it. We can't compare how good he is over here to who he would be against against higher class opposition. So I, would, I, th- I definitely think his performances entitle him to a call up if we've seen Glenn Crow and Jason Byrne play for Ireland uh, in this millennium. I think Horgan is a better player than either of those were at their peak, so he's definitely worth a shot. Absolutely. Not everyone thinks he should be called up, including a former Ireland international, former Chelsea player and uh, Shamrock Rovers player, Paddy Mulligan. I think Darrell is a, a smashing League of Ireland player 
Um, what I would do with Daryl Horgan would be I would bring him in for 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 squad sessions with with the Irish team. As I would bring quite a few League of Ireland players in mm. on occasion if if the clubs if the clubs will allow it and let him get the feel amongst the lads at, 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 at international level. And and uh, do you bring in the older ones or do you bring in young players who may go to England still? No, I bring. I, I bring. Or in, does I, that matter? No, it doesn't matter. Okay. I bring in a mixture. Whoever, whoever is playing well, and, and you feel that they, if necessary, you, you can have them in. You can have them in the squad on match day. Well, then that, that's who you'll be bringing in, and I wouldn't be thinking about well, can he get to England? Look at uh, uh, Richie Powell in England, and what, what's he? What's, yeah. he what, what's going on? I mean, I thought that, that he was he was going to be uh, he was going to set the world alight over there because he had, he had played so well here. It just goes to show you the, the, the big difference. And, and hopefully he he will he will do well at at Brighton, but it's a it's a big ass now. He's there. What a year now is it? And he hasn't really broken in. And if you're playing well, you're playing be, well. That'll, that'll, I mean, and he be, played well when he went up a level, Terrell Horgan. So he has shown he can do it. And when you keep in mind that international football is is not even Champions League standard now. Yeah, and surely it, there's a there's a, there's a case for his inclusion. No, I'd I'd I'd, mm. I'd hold back for a, I'd hold back for a while. I'd uh, I'd be holding back to maybe early next season, but what I would do is I would bring him in and 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 let him and let him train with the with the lads and just and just see what he's like and ob- observe over the three or four days that they're together, the five days, if if he yeah. could be there for a week or ten days, uh, if there's if there's two games in, in, in quick succession, go and have him there for uh, for the week and just see, just break just break him in gently into it. That's Paddy Mulligan speaking about Daryl Horgan. Now I saw a headline during the week, uh, Brian Gartland basically saying. You get on this magic flight to England and then all of a sudden you can play for Ireland yeah. whereas from here it's very difficult. But we have seen that Seamus Coleman did very well with that and Chris Forrester was called a Well, in fairness, Seamus Coleman was very young when he went over so sure. he wasn't ready at that stage yeah. when he was playing for Sligo Rovers. Uh, plus Dan, it was only Sligo. Anyway, here is what Kieran Kilduff uh, of Dundalk who had a good stroke bad, stroke indifferent game uh, last night. Play? We don't know. <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. It depends on uh, what version of the podcast you're listening to if you're listening on Thursday. Then... You don't know because the game hasn't happened yet. If you're listening on Friday, then the game has. Anyway, this is what he has to say about players needing to go to England before they're recognised by um, the Irish management. It seems to be a thing where you go to England and then you get the call-up. You know, it, that, that's just been natural. But I think Daryl's now playing against top European clubs and doing to them what he's doing to the teams in our league. You know, he's you know he's skipping boy lads to play for Bate Borisov and and AZ Alkmaar. These are international lads and, he, and he's doing it on that stage now, which is why he probably... He's the first fella in this league, can I actually say on merit. He deserves to be in that squad, regardless of the fact that he's playing in the, the League mm. of Ireland. You know, you often see the picture of all the lads who progressed from the League of Ireland, but they all had to leave in order to get into the squad. Daryl's here now playing Europa League football, and he's he's, he's really doing well at it, and he's tearing it up a bit. So, um, on merit, he should be there. Listen, if it was for those reasons, you know, that he probably wasn't going to play, we need him, obviously. You know, like he's he's the best player I've ever played with in this league. Right. So, I mean. He's that good on his day that you know he is invaluable to us, and you know I can understand maybe from that point of view. But you know, in a few years' time, if Daryl never gets into the team, if he looks back and it, did he miss an opportunity? That'll be probably when he'll probably begrudge the call. Kieran Kilduff on his teammate Daryl Horgan, and of course, whether or not he played well or otherwise against Maccabee Tel Aviv, it doesn't matter. I think he should be in the squad. Was it Kevin Kilban said? Surely he's better than McGeady at this stage. How many chances is McGeady going to get? McGeady has had plenty of chances yeah, and he more seems than to be enough. certainly sliding down the pecking order from Everton to Sheffield Wednesday last season and now down to Preston. He, his, his career path seems to be going one way. Yeah, exactly. And he's he hasn't really done it for Ireland Not in, in the last while. Uh, apart from the... Yeah, apart from the goals in Georgia. Yeah. 
Yeah. But that was what? Just over two years ago now? Yeah, that's a long, long time yeah. ago. Right, we are going to hear from Dave Robertson, the Sligo manager, as promised, in a couple of minutes. Well, we hope he answers the, the phone. phone. It's not like it's not like we're recording this and then dropping in these links later, Dan. Yeah. You understand. Uh, but first, what about Cork City? What's been the difference in the last couple of weeks? Uh, they beat to go away 5-3 during the week. They are still four points behind Dundalk, but the title challenge is still on. So says Cork City fan me. Anyway, uh, here is Stuart Byrne speaking to the League of Ireland segment on Off the Ball about what the difference between um, Cork City in the last couple of weeks and maybe the period of the season before that has been in a goal-scoring sense. Dan McDonald of the Irish Independent was on with him. He kind of pours cold water on Stuart's argument. But uh, well worth a listen anyway. They're eating into that goal difference, which was a huge factor for Dundalk. They've subsequently, in the last uh, seventy weeks, they have absolutely taken chunks out of it, mm. um, which is which could it could come down to it. It could well come down to yeah. it. Yeah. What's been the biggest difference with these goals for Cork in the last couple of weeks? What are you seeing? I th- I I I kind of I kind of alluded to the point that coming off the back of Europe, they just sort of hit this dip in confidence. I don't know what it was. Um, it, it was strange, um, and it, it's it, it it can happen. It's natural. It was just the fact that it kind of went on for three weeks, which um, affected them an awful lot. Mm. Um, then subsequently, I think that the, the cup draw against Longford, um, they didn't play particularly well in it, but they just they thumped them five two, mm. got a little bit of confidence going again, and there just seems to be a much more freedom in how they play. I mean, I I, I spoke about them playing um, in Tala against uh, Rovers in in the cup game, and they were they were awesome, they were outstanding, mm. out of this world, and mm. that just seems to be um, the barometer that they have set for themselves, um, and they just seem to be going into games now starting games they hadn't been starting they had been I mean by all means all the reports coming back were um, during this sort of this downtime that they had that they weren't starting games well the first half they were flat didn't get going and they were either leaving themselves an uphill battle in the second half but they were they were playing much better in the second half mm. uh, whereas now they just seem to be bang coming out of the block straight away I mean, look tonight I mean they were they were, they were one nil up within a couple of minutes yeah. um, and then they were they were two nil up inside 10 I'm, minutes and they just I, seem to be thumping teams right from the get go I'm still not convinced that they've necessarily sorted out the goal scoring thing I think they've stockpiled goals in certain games I mean there's been certain games where they're running up a number but the flip side I would say last week yeah. I mean they had two away games last week Finn Harps 1-0 win with a late penalty and it was nil all in Sligo so um you know, they, they've there's been certain home games where they've run up a number, and in fairness, the cup game in Tala where they were sensational. Sure, yeah. um, but I still think you know some of these away games. I'm not sure if they've fully resolved their sort of goal scoring and open play. You know, yeah. I, I think they, they there was worrying signs from last week, and, and the thing about tonight, I mean, Galway conceded four in Tala on Friday as well, and their season is sort of petering away a bit. So. You could be overanalyzing that, that one point. game. This is News Talks SSC or Tristy League podcast, and that was Daniel MacDonald of the Irish Independent and Stuart Byrne, a formerly of Shelburne, speaking to Off the Balls League of Ireland segment. Right, let's talk to Sligo Rovers manager Dave Robertson. Dave, how are you? I'm having a great time, to be fair. It's, um, it's been a, a really good season for us so far in terms of setting out what we, what we wanted to achieve. Um, the wife and the family are all settled in, and they're settled in in school now. and and I have to say, you know, 10 months down the line from taking the job in November last year, um, it's been a fantastic move. Um, I've really enjoyed the, the standard of the, of the football in the league. Um, and it's presented us some different challenges throughout the season, but, but good challenges to overcome. And um, we've had to learn quickly. But, you know, we, we said we wanted to consolidate this year and, and sitting in fifth position going into the last five of the games, I have to say, it's, uh, it's been really positive. 
is it a kind of a strange situation because your first task was to get a squad together and maybe then you can work on your philosophy and try and get what you want to do across to the guys. And I suppose that the, the second part of that question is how difficult was that? Because it was essentially doing two jobs in one, but if the results didn't go well early on and if they didn't continue well, it would have made things very, very difficult and the pressure would have come on. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, the two things do go hand in hand and recruiting the right type of players. The, the biggest challenge that I had is, is I wasn't appointed as the manager until the 19th of November. Um, and as everybody knows, with um, the majority of players uh, here in the League of Ireland being on 42-week contracts, uh, the majority of the best ones that, that I had on my list were, were already taken up and contracted elsewhere for the season. So um, that presented a challenge in itself, but... Um, we managed to overcome that and I feel that we've put a, a strong squad together with a real nucleus. Um, we said that it's a two-year project. I'm, I'm obviously here until the end of next season and um, this season we needed to consolidate. And I think if we'd have probably had, if I'd have been appointed two weeks earlier, um, I feel we, we may have been able to gel that squad together a little bit quicker and we wouldn't have had the... Um, you know, the disappointing start that we did have because of the the players would have had a little bit more time together. But, you know, with hindsight, you know, we've galvanised as a group. So we've got a real strong nucleus of players that, that we've tied down now for, for next season and beyond. And um, we're starting to build the foundations and that's what this season's been about. And now we've got those foundations in place. You know, the, the next step is to, to recruit the next group of players that, um, that are going to strengthen the squad to um, to give us the opportunity to, to improve on our first season. You've mentioned there, Dave, about coming in, in your own mind, what may have been two weeks later than ideal, and from the majority of players you brought in in the off-season that came from England, do you think, as you mentioned with the disappointing start of the season, although that's massively improved in recent months, that, that, uh, that the players coming over may not have been ready for what the league around entailed and that, and that, and that, uh, that, that is what led to the slow start? No, I don't think so. Uh, I, I think, you know, one thing that, that, that we have done is we focused a lot on ourselves this season. And, um, you know, it took the players a little bit uh, a little bit more time to, to get to know each other. Um, we had a good understanding. I think if, um, I, I think in reality, if, uh, if I'd have been appointed two weeks earlier, then, um, then I probably would have had a, a bigger group of, of players with experience of the League of Ireland. So, Again, the same thing. The two things, I think, do come in, come hand in hand. But um, there was a certain standard and a certain quality of player um, that I wanted. You know, it's, if you look at the size of our squad versus um, a lot of the others, we have gone with quality rather than quantity in the first season um, because it is a, a building process. So um, that was really, really important to me. And I, and I did speak to... Um, to some top quality players who were doing very well in the league and also beyond when I first came in. But, you know, unfortunately, they were they were taken up. So, you know, we move on and, um, you know, and, and, and go on to the next thing. And the, the squad that we have got this year is, um, I feel we've got a good balance in it because we've got the experienced players like Gavin Pearce, John Russell, Raf Quattaro, Michael Slingerman through the spine of the team and, We've added a little bit of youthful, youthful quality to it. You know, the likes of Kieran Sadlia, um, Danny Cairns has come in. You've got Craig Rodden, who's adapted to the league particularly well. And, um, and, and we've built around that. So um, on top of the, the, the three players that I had when I first 
came in, Regan Donnellan, Gary Boylan and John Russell, it's been, um, for me, it's been a successful season. But, you know, I want to keep this squad together and um, and build on that next year. And I think that's the way we're going to get our significant gains on improving from this season. You mentioned the experienced players there, uh, Dave, the likes of Russell, Crataro, Pierce. Are those the guys that you have to get to first and talk to first and convince them that you know you are the man and that this is the philosophy because if you get the senior pros on your side I imagine it makes working with the entire squad a lot easier it makes your job I'll use the word again a lot easier yeah definitely I mean the main thing with whenever dealing with senior pros is you know at the end of the day they generally in in the majority of of occasions and as it's materialized throughout the season the experienced players are your leaders on the pitch and what your experience and your senior players need to do is they need to take the message from um, from the manager and when the, the game starts and the stadium's alive, they need to be able to lead those players around them and um, and they have been they have been critical in getting those messages across because of you know, when the whistle blows on a on a Saturday night, you, you need you need your players to to lead and take on board those messages and, and that's where the senior professionals are a key to you because if they do take that out onto the pitch it does make the, the manager's job easier because of the, the messages are going into the players continually for the 90 minutes. Dave, you've spoken there about the vision and the plan and almost every week now in this podcast, especially at this time of the year, we talk about the future for players and what will happen once the season ends, especially with these contracts that only last for the season. Sligo Rose have been very involved with signing up players already for next season and even further. I know Michal Schlingerman has signed a long-term contract with the club. Is is this part of your vision to try and get these players tied down as quick as possible? That in your first season, as you've said, you've tried to bed in your own beliefs that maybe next year now with these players on board already for next season that we should be able to see the benefits uh, of of what you're trying to do in the showgrounds. It, it forms the um, it forms the, the nucleus for, for the long term for the long term plan definitely. Yeah. Um, in addition to that, it's also, in my opinion, a professional way of working because of you know the players are settled. The players know um, all of my squad know what my intentions are for them for for next season and um, and where we want to go. So that vision and and, and the structure, um, the style of play has been has been important to me as well. And having the right players that can play in the way that we want to play um, is vitally important. But in terms of that, one of the things that there is here at Sligo Road is there's a magnificent structure in place. Um, the facilities are, are excellent for me to work the way that I want to work. The staffing structure is is put into place to to support the players because of as a manager um, and anyone on our management team will know. And, and this is kind of led by me is we're here for the players so as the players can perform on you know on any given match day and and that's vitally important. So. We have that. We have a, a strong committee now. Um, we had a new chairman who came in at the beginning of the season and, um, and, and structured the committee around that. And one of the things was obviously forming that professional way of working. And one of the most important things, you know, as a manager is your style of play, the, the product that you put onto the pitch. But then also is, is having the players, you know, who understand the way that you want to play. And, and they have the commitment to the football club that that really links the community and the players into um, in together because of, there needs to be a, re- a rapport between the fans and the players, especially in a place like Sligo because of, you know, the, the supporters here are fully behind the club. It forms a, a massive part of the community and, 
and that's something that, that is also you know critical to, to the future of the football club. You've mentioned there about the new chairman this year, year at the Showgrounds. Can I just ask, from a personal capacity, how how different is it working in a club like Slugger Rovers where it's a co-op, where there's a committee, uh, compared to uh, Peterborough where there is sort of uh, one man at the top? I know Darren McAntony and Barry Fry have been there in recent years. How difficult is it when you basically have one man to answer to and where you may have a committee to answer to? Well, it's, a, it's very different. And, and, and obviously, managing upwards is a huge part of football management and um, what you have to do is you have to have flexibility in the way in which you do that. But um, I have to say, you know, working with the, the committee here, um, as I have done for the last 10 months, it was it was important to establish some, uh, who the key decision makers are. Um, it's obvious that, that you need to keep the, the dialogue open to the committee so they're fully aware of the direction in which the football club is going and which is taken. And, and I have to say the support from them, uh, from them all, from the from the top down is um, you know is massive, but whereas you know working in League One at Peterborough United, the um, the chairman would be the key decision maker. Um, Barry Fry, as the director of football, would um, would oversee the football operations side of things. So there are massive differences, but um, I think both have their benefits, and um, you know, and it, there's pros and cons to both sides, but. I have to say, I am um, I'm very, very happy with the the way that the structure is here at the club, and, and moving forwards, we feel that um, that we're building something, and um, the fans are buying into that as well, and they understand where we want to take the club. And at the end of the day, you know, uh, I'm here. I've come here because I want to be successful. I want to be successful for Sligo Rovers and um, and bring back those glory days and. I still feel it's going to take some time. You know, uh, it's not going to happen overnight. Nothing does happen overnight unless you have massive resources. Um, we're not in that position at the minute, so we need to make sure that the club's on a stable footing first and foremost and um, and build the football side of things on top of that. Dave, you mentioned there your experience in League One. I guess us who follow the league over here are kind of a bit obsessed about how outsiders see us. So... You're a relative newcomer compared to Manny. How do you compare this league to League One? Uh, what are the things about the league that kind of struck you that maybe you didn't expect when you took the job? Uh, you know, what, what's your general view of it, having spent, what, 10 months at this stage around it? Well, I think the standard of the football is, um, is top, top, top draw. Um, it's, uh, it's a very good standard. Um, one of the big things is there is a big variance in the... Um, in the standard of the teams and in the standard of, of some of the uh, some of the pitches and the, and the facilities that you see. So, you know, I've learned a lot from that experience in this first year and, and how to manage certain situations when you go to um, to different places. But um, I have to say, I've been very, very, very impressed. You know, from from the top down, the, the standard is excellent, and I think it's a, a league that is that is moving forward. It's a very progressive league. You know, we've seen this year um, the progression that Dundalk have made, and um, and I think everyone around the league can can see how well they've done, and and how that's taken Stephen Kenny some time to to do that. And there's a lot of there's a lot of things I think to to learn. There's a lot of things that um, that can be improved for the better of the for the better of the league. But the standard for me has been um, has been excellent. 
And Dave, just before we let you go, obviously you're over here now and I, I imagine you're glad to be maybe over here in the last couple of days given what we've seen happen in England with the Daily Telegraph revelations. W- what have you made of, of what you've seen come out over the last couple of days? And I appreciate there's a lot of information we don't know, but we do know that there, there's some things going on that probably shouldn't. Well, um, obviously the, the agents in England play a bigger part, I think, in the overall in the overall game and um, and unfortunately, I think um, there's been some some poor decisions made by managers, um, and and they've paid the price. I think it's um, I think it's a little bit awkward because of, there is also the issue around the entrapment in the way in which it's been in the way in which it's been done and the way in which it's been reported. But um, you know, it's something that, um, that clearly has been part of the game, and and if there are wrongdoings then then i'm sure those people will be uh, will face the consequences and pay the consequences for that but um for me it's a it's a sad situation you know when um we've seen it all too all too often um in english football that managers particularly the england manager which you know some will say is the best job in the world and some will say you have probably experienced it that it can be the worst job in the world because it hasn't taken any longer than one game for, for the media to turn on Sam Allardyce and, and essentially, you know, uh, get in the sack. Dave, finally from us, just back to Rovers for a second. What's the aim now for the rest of the season? Obviously, out of the Cups and uh, survival is, is, is assured. Is it now try and push for uh, that last European spot or uh, just try and maintain consistency for the rest of the season? Well, the, the main aim and the, the target that we've set for our players here is we told them last week that the that next season starts now. Um, and one of the key things for me is that, you know, irrelevant of where we finish, we want to finish as high as we possibly can. But the important thing is that we take some momentum into that. So we've kind of started the, the 2017 season. We've made a commitment to our players moving forwards. Um, they're fully aware of that and they've bought into that. And, um, and for us, we want to finish as high as we possibly can um, and obviously take that momentum with a, with a strong starting to the 2017 campaign. Dave, the very best of luck against Finn Harps next Tuesday night at the uh, showgrounds. Thanks for speaking to us on News Talks SSE, Electricity League podcast. Oshin Daniel, thanks very much and speak to you soon. This is News Talks SSE, Electricity League podcast, and that was Dave Robertson of Sligo Rovers. Uh, now, as I have stressed on many occasions, Dan, we don't record the links and then drop it all into place later. So we know for a fact that that was a very interesting chat with it Dave Robertson. was. A great man, first season in the showgrounds and things he... Er, he brought up some interesting points there, Dan, didn't he? He brought up some very interesting and points. And it's not like we're talking before we've recorded the interview here. Are we? Are we? Well, what, what do you think was the most interesting point he brought up? Prove I think uh, the most interesting point he brought up was the fact that you'll be now mentioning the fixtures for this weekend. That's right, he really, he saw that coming, didn't yeah. he? Uh, okay, on Friday, it is Bray against Bohemians. On Saturday, it is Galway United up against Finn Harps in, I'm sure, what is some kind of derby. On Tuesday, it's Sligo Rovers up against Finn Harps in a game that we uh, talked about with Dave Robertson. I hope we don't forget to talk to him about that game when we record that interview. Uh, it's also FAI Cup Final weekend. Cork City up against St. Pat's in Richmond Park on Sunday afternoon. I'm looking forward to going to that. Uh, obviously, if a GA game doesn't pop up first. And uh, earlier in the day, it is Dundalk against Derry. The season's kind of weirdly broken up now, isn't Can it? Can I just ask one thing? Do you yeah. think in their infinite wisdom, the GA decided to put the All-Ireland Final on the Saturday to know it wouldn't clash with oh, the absolutely, yeah. No, no, no. They knew what they were doing there. Yeah. And they know that Munster have made a mistake by scheduling their game for 5 o'clock on Saturday, which clashes with Mayo in Dublin. 
which For, is city. foresight of the FEI. Yeah. Not often we say that on this podcast, but well, there is some foresight there. It, very smart of the GA to not clash with the FAI Cup yeah. finals because, of course, there would have only been semi-finals. There would have only been one winner there. <laughs> I kept a straight face. Or a really kind of broken fixture list at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, and it's, it's all Dundalk's fault. It's all Dundalk's fault. We're happy, Dundalk. You could even push a uh, push a bit of it back to Cork's decent run as well in the Europa League. Since this has happened, hmm. league is just a mess. Uh, fixtures wise uh, I know I mentioned a few weeks ago when you were away but Richard Brush the Finn Harps goalkeeper came out with uh, came out on Twitter saying that basically the FEI should just throw all the names into a hat and decide who plays who a few days in advance yeah and there, there is talk of extending the league which the clubs would probably be delighted with and the players certainly because yeah. hopefully for them it would mean actually getting paid for a few weeks longer uh, really interesting thing that Kieran Kilduff said to Nathan Murphy in his interview uh, during the week which you can catch up with on newstalk.com forward slash sport is that obviously as soon as their Europa League campaign ends, that's it, done. They have yeah. to sign on and while he and a couple of the other lads have other stuff going on, it's tough on players. It certainly so. is and I know especially the PFAI mentioned this, especially after the uh, FAI Cup Finals, which is usually the traditional end of the season. A lot of the players, they may be heroes on the Sunday afternoon mm. and even if they win, lose or draw, they'll be heading to the local dot office on Monday morning. But you know what, as much as I would like to see guys paid 52 weeks a year, and I would, at least now we're in a situation where clubs are saying, this is when we can pay you up yeah. until and that's that and we manageable. just don't have the money because there's no point in promising what you don't have yeah. and like even with uh, teams like Bray Wanderers who were speaking to Harry Kenny uh, last week in the pod and they seem to have their house in order now after testing a few seasons hmm. clubs are now becoming financially prudent with themselves they know what to do and the more the more sensible clubs are with finances the better the league will be Yep. now this week in England Dan, we saw the bow break and managers being named for dodgy dealings yes. or Potentially. Allegedly dodgy. Potentially dodgy. Well, certainly stuff that goes against... Ethically yes, in a grey area. Yes. So Dan and I have decided to name the managers in the league we think are dodgy. And we're going to leave you with that list. I'm not sure if Richie will approve of this, but, but he's not so here. So I'll start with number one. Number one is... Oh, good call. Definitely. Never liked him. Number two? Yeah, I agree. Who was your number three? It was... Uh, I'm not sure about him. But no. your number four was pretty sure. Oh, right. yeah. There's another bollocks. And number four is... Will we be here next week? Well, we didn't name names. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we didn't specifically say name. We could have said him, though. Probably should have. Yeah. yeah but like, he's so obvious. It's it's too obvious. True. Maybe we should beep that. Yeah. Okay. We'll see what Richie thinks. This well, editorial meeting will be fun. Exactly. Well, the thing is, is here, here's what we do. Richie's not here today. He likes to cast himself in the lead role in this. Yeah. So it's all his fault. It's his baby. Yeah, exactly. Okay, that's it from us for this week. Best of luck to Dundalk tonight if you're listening on Thursday. Um, Commiseration, stroke well done, stroke. It wasn't a bad result uh, for Dundalk if you're listening to this on the uh, recut version on Friday. Until next week, take care. Good luck. Uh, my name is Oshin Lankin. You can get me on at Oshin Lankin. You can get Dan on. It's Mr. Daniel. Thanks very much. And Richie hasn't bothered to turn up this week, so we don't, don't follow him. In fact, if you do follow him, unfollow him because uh, he's dodgy. Take care. Bye bye.